0: Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. All right, good morning, Growing Up Fire, episode 13. Oh, lucky 13, got Kyle Paulson in the house with me today. This guy is a legendary innovator in the fire service around Slave Lake and uh, him and I have one of the biggest uh, histories out of probably any firefighter I ever worked with. He's the guy that when he calls me or I call him, either one of us could be asking for something that's so off the charts, no one would ever even believe that we're having those conversations. So unlike a lot of the phone calls I got, which were always one way, could you help me with this or that? Uh, Yours and mine were always two way. I actually physically wanted to hurry and answer the phone so I could hear what was up next. So thanks for being here, Kyle.
1: No problem. Thanks, Jamie, for having
0: me. (laughs) You know, our relationship is a long, complicated one. I think it started probably when Carl Hill was the boss of community services around Slave Lake. I won't say 100 years ago, but a few anyways. And you were the guy at the college that kind of did everything, had everything. You were like the the clinger from MASH there (laughs) at the college, right? (laughs) I've Been there, done that, got this, got that. And uh, so Carl would call us up to come and help you with manpower usually right so uh, help uh, build a stage or rip a stage apart or move this or get some bleachers going or set up this or that you probably got a longer list than me but
1: yeah you know with with special events we did at the college and definitely the swimming pool I was always looking for help and you know in communities you don't get your organization usually doesn't have a lot of help so I kind of utilize the fire department for volunteers. And, and man, they, they got us through some amazing workshops and special events where there's no way I would have been doing it by
0: myself. Well, I think it was so easy to come and help you, right? I mean, you're kind of like the ultimate team guy. You're just uh, fun to be around. Crazy ideas are flowing out of you like they're free. And, uh, you know, one thing that I'll say, and, and you taught me this, I will say 100% in my life, you taught me this, that no idea is ever too big. Right, you just throw it out there. Not saying that we're going to do every single one or or that it's okay, but that no idea, no thought was ever too big for you to just throw it out there and see if it landed. And uh, I think that's always one of my favorite things that I take every day to my job. I, I throw out things that people are just like, "Are you crazy? I can't believe you said <laughs> that out loud." And and I immediately think of Kyle Falson.
1: <laughs> well, when you think about it, you, we live in a small community, and Why can't we have, why can't we do things that other people do? Like, what's stopping us? You just have to have the willpower, the the people around you. And sure, you toss around ideas. They're not always the greatest ideas. And some are way, way out there. But in the mix of that communication back and forth, we usually end up with a tangible idea and we go for it.
0: No, for sure. I So many things. I mean, I walk around the fire hall and, and you're up on a pedestal for me. You're up there with the legends, right? Larry Badfelder, John Perkinson, uh, Terrence Malmichuk from Bush Baby. Well, don't Bruce put me Turnbull. up too high. <laughs> you just, are. You're up you there. Know, it's too bad. <laughs> maybe a
1: little, a little step there. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because there's just so many things, right? Like, you know, when you walk around, you helped with this. You helped with that. You thought of this. You thought of that. You built this. Um, And it's just so many. It's funny to me because I can think of all the early years when your kids were small and you were busy at the college and life was just crazy and busy. And and you fought us like Carl Hill and I tried a million times to get you to join the fire department. And, uh, you you know, you just kept putting us off, putting us off.
1: But, you know, one of the reasons for that, I really, really wanted to join. However, at that time in my life, um, family was so important, family and job. And our kids were going through their dance, their hockey, and various things like that. And my wife wanted her time, you know, with, with me. And that's, that's just part of that, that balancing act. And it, it really took, finally, my daughter and wife got in a, a pretty good car accident. She rolled her vehicle. And my wife realized, these are volunteers going to these calls. And she finally realized that, you know, I could be there helping somebody else. And that was kind of my opening and I took it.
0: Yeah, exactly. You got to read the room. Eh? Yes.
1: <laughs> and, and the other thing too is on that particular call, you know, I'm, I'm in the line trying to get to my wife and see if she's okay because I heard she was in an accident. And then I ended up turning around, going to the hospital, but it was like Carl Hill and there is uh, another guy, Jim Meldrum. They were, sh- they were. Sh- it affected them. It's when it's somebody you know, it really hits hard,
0: hits home. That crazy small town thing that, you know, some people just can't understand. But, yeah. you know, so many calls are going to be someone you know. And then once in a while, it's going to yeah. be someone you know really well. And yeah. it's going to affect everything that uh, you do from that day forward.
1: So the, the process of my wife's recovery... She realized that this, was, this could be a good thing for me because th- that's what I wanted to do. You just want to give back to that community. So, yeah,
0: yeah. that's where that started. Well, you've been giving back and then some, but, man. <laughs>
1: but you, you tricked me because I, I told you I, I wasn't going to join until you had a boat program. And then, what is it, a year later? I don't know. You said, you phoned me up guess what? We're getting a boat. <laughs> so I had no choice.
0: You tricked yourself. <laughs> yeah, I tripped. I, I
1: tripped on something. So yeah, that whole process of the boat program and my work in the swimming pool as, you know, training lifeguards, of course, yeah. that all kind kind of came to play. And once I started training the boat, getting, you know, the program developed and all that stuff, I got to see a different side of the fire department that I didn't know was there. And that wanted me to kind of be more part of that. So, yeah.
0: Because I think, yeah, you kind of just started, you were gonna help with the, the water rescue program. I thought it was cart. just gonna
1: be search and rescue and that's the end of it. Right. But I I like to do, I saw something, you know, being a volunteer firefighter that kind of said, you know,
0: I think I wanna do that. I mean, all the cards on the table, I knew I could get you. <laughs> you know, once we get you in the door, we're pretty well, pretty easy know. to reel you in. I
1: you seem to take advantage of my
0: weaknesses. <laughs> hey, that's the job. <laughs> I got to yeah. get people, right? Yeah. You remind me of Danny Schmode. He He fought us and fought us. And, and then finally the kids were, and that was always the, you know, I can't, you know, work's busy and family. And then the kids were, got to that age where they could. Care less, you know. You're just a paycheck and stuff, and and uh, he's like, okay, I'm on the fire department, right? <laughs> and uh, stayed for a long time. So, it's uh, you do. You have to wait and see if it uh, matches up with life, right? For me, it was different. I started before I had kids, so I didn't know any different. I just kept going. Other people, you know, you've got. You talked about hockey, right? So you coached. You're on the road every weekend. Your practices a couple times a week, and. And uh, it gets crazy busy. Yeah, so definitely. You, fitting the fire department in is definitely a tough, a tough part. So you had a little previous fire experience. Let's talk about that in in the hamlet of Gruart, out in Big Lakes County, way back in the. Again, we won't uh, say timelines, but
1: <laughs> yeah, with with a small hamlet, we um, actually the college had their own fire hall, or the fire hall was located on the college property. So we basically staff that with our staff as volunteers. And we would have some, you know, the calls weren't a lot because I don't know if I really took it that serious, but you get together during Halloween, seemed to be things were more intensive during that time. And you stay there at the hall overnight and basically waiting for those calls. And this was, I don't want to say it's before fire halls kind of worked together, you know where you can call in let's say a high prairie or a, a, you know canusa or whatever it it was kind of early pioneering days from from what I saw, so yeah we I took that part one training course, it was a crash course. I learned lots, I learned lots, but at that point, it wasn't really f- I didn't want to go any any further than of course yeah. yeah
0: you're just doing it on the side, yeah. And-
1: So no, it was, it was good. And that kind of got my first taste to it. So, and then coming here, I still remember my first day you're treated, we're doing truck checks and you're supposed to kind of observe and, and hopefully they accept you as a new recruit, but it was like the cold shoulder. It was like, who are you? Just get out of my way. I'm doing a truck check.
0: FNG, get out of the way. (laughs) So
1: it it took a while to build the rapport in the early stages, like a couple of weeks, because after that I said, hey, I need to learn this stuff. And if you're not gonna teach me, give me that sheet and I will teach myself.
0: No. And, and I mean, you were an unusual new recruit. I can tell you, um, you know, it was nothing to see you every couple of days in there and for you to say, Hey, uh, can we run the pump? Can I pull the hose off? Can I, you know, things that other people weren't doing. And, and I remember you always saying to me, I have to learn. I have to learn. It's the kind of guy I am. I, I want to know what's going on here. I can't just pretend I know I have to know. And, and so uh, which is great. Cause that kind of helped drive some of the new recruit training pro, products and, and procedures that we put in later to say, you know, Kyle had it right. We should definitely be looking at that more intensive type training at the start, right? So that you get all the tools that you need instead of kind of a little bit of stuff for 12 months. And so uh, I think I've never even told you that, but you're definitely a big part of that driver was to, to do it more the way that you yeah, drove yourself to do it.
1: That came about by a number of calls that you were asked to go get stuff and you you don't know where it is. Go start that pump that you've never started before. So for me, it was a personal, man, I got to learn this stuff. Now, it'd be easy if we only had one truck, but we have multiple trucks and each one is a little different. Originally, I came across as I want to just be that guy in the back seat. You give me orders and I'll do what has to be done. You want me to charge in with a charge line full scba i'll do her. just give me those orders
0: yeah you'd always say that what do you want me to do <laughs> and and so it was awesome i i mean as a new recruit you you fell into it quickly and i mean i think you knew so many of the people because we'd been working together on so many projects And that, uh, you know, people knew that you were going to be an innovator, right? you were going to be that guy that was going to come in and come up with ideas and ask us questions that made us look at why we do things, right? And so, you know, it's all good to have 100 years of tradition unimpeded by change, but sometimes you have to have change. And and you definitely knew that and and drove that. So so we'll go back to the water rescue program because it's kind of one of my favorite processes in my entire (laughs) career. Probably not for you, but it was for me. (laughs) And uh, it, it all started, uh, you know. You told me that, and I said, "Okay, that was fine." And you had all your life safety, water rescue stuff, and you were training people. And and so um, when we went through the search and rescue process and and got councils on board, and decided we were going to get a boat. I right away went like, "It's all good. We got this guy right." And so uh, I remember you and and Todd took the med a three training course with the police it didn't take us long to decide that wasn't the process for us and what we wanted to teach our people
1: but you know what <laughs> that course actually had me think twice about what an rcmp officer is i got to see the rcmp officers in a more personable light and before i was scared of them to be honest with you
0: yeah for sure and this was a cool course because it was the only one that's ever been taught in alberta outside of sylvan lake yeah they actually taught it right here in our own town and and that's kind of cool too right
1: yeah i actually felt sorry for them for the boats they had because you couldn't fill them full of fuel because the gas tanks would make them too heavy to leave the dock so we had to operate at half tanks but the maneuvers that we were taught was crazy crazy and the night operations crazy crazy yeah. i've learned so much from that and then from that the elements I was able to take and, you know, work into a program that I think is pretty good
0: so far. Oh, it's definitely stood the test of time. Um, you know you were just talking about night ops and I remember when you were checking me off on the. so you're out there there you're the chief you're supposed to kind of be good at all this stuff and and I was pretty good at operating the boat but I had to still finish my night ops I don't know if you remember this yeah. and we're, we went out all the way to Canyon Creek it's about 20 clicks across the lake and we're coming back and we're flying along and I'm feeling pretty good about myself and you're kind of like just head for the red light you know it's the tower and and it's all good and and all of a sudden you said to me is like are, are you going to turn soon And I was like, oh, no, I don't think so. Like I'm lined up with the red light and, and you're like, well, yeah, but the islands in the way you're like, you're going to be parked (laughs) on the West side of the dog Island soon if you don't. And I was like, I had no idea. I was like, oh, okay. And so I think we looked at the little chart thing that we had there and of course had to veer around the island, slow down. You're around the island and you're such a nice guy about everything. I remember you said, well, this is a good spot. We'll, we'll throw in the dummies and you can kind of learn how to navigate. And instead of just saying, Hey, you moron, you are going to crash into the island. You actually told me <laughs> <laughs> we learned some other stuff. So, but uh yeah, I mean, all of that process, I remember, you know, grew up on the lake, right. Uh, drove big houseboats, drove lots of boats since I was probably 14 or 15 years old. And, and you think, you know, a lot about driving a boat until you actually have to drive a boat for real in bad conditions Uh, another time that strikes me as as a memory is we were doing the fishing tournament we were the safety boat for the fishing tournament and we drove all the way over to martin beach which was super easy when you were going with the wind and then we turned around and had to go for about an hour and 45 minutes on these five six foot waves and we're just crashing that boat and i i was just whining the whole time i can remember it clear as day and i was like just hit the throttle like who cares if this thing sinks someone will come get us and (laughs) and uh but we fought across and in true kyle form you just say hey, it's all good we'll get there until we looked at the boat after
1: <laughs> remember those little the stabilizer fins at the back their little hydraulic systems so or we noticed just, that they were both gone yeah <laughs> that, that's how powerful those waves were
0: yeah and i think people don't know that even on this lake where you know we get five or six foot waves that's it it's not like the ocean but you get out there, it's big, they're they're close together, they're pounding. Um, I think we learned so much about the lake, about the boat. Um, about you know, the program. the
1: first crew that we trained, we basically purposely went out in harsh conditions and practiced how to how to navigate, how to maneuver. And you don't have to go fast, but you need to be reading the waves like a, a roadmap. And that first crew is amazing. And they still are the ones that are still here. And they've been on actually bigger waves since then. And they're following this exact same experience that we kind of learned together. Because I only know so much. And the rest, you kind of have to learn from experience. And the ones that really learn are the ones that, you know, they're willing to, to, you know, listen to you and follow your instructions you always get the characters that hey, I've been boating for a few years, and I got a I got a little nine horse boat. I know how to boat, or I got a pontoon boat, yeah. and sometimes they're they're not the greatest people for that kind of operation.
0: Yeah, sure, because they're going out in nice weather with the family, pull the tube, you know, hang out. Not
1: and and how many go out at night? How many go out in a windstorm? How many go out in a snowstorm? And that was my one of my first uh, rescues near Canyon Creek looking for fishermen that didn't report in it's snowing on us and that particular boat is not a heated cab you're in your woolies and one of those you know suits and you're facing the elements
0: and it's cold I remember that because the tubes on the side it was rigid inflatable and the tubes were actually deflated a little bit because the cold temperature so now you guys have a new boat big fancy crazy let's call it a ship (laughs) <laughs> they can go out there, so I mean that'll be a whole new process, right?
1: It is, and it's it's a different type of boat. So, sure, the elements of maneuvering are similar, but it's it's a faster boat. It's a cabin. It's higher up of the water. It's it's definitely uh, through the team. We're, we'll develop a, a good program for it, and even they're adding uh, some fire suppression on it also. And that itself is another area. So, yeah, we're, we're building another, a new program around that boat. And we still have a smaller little striker boat. We, we tend to use that for the smaller stuff. And the nice thing about that one, I fought for at least two years of trying to inflate that darn thing and put the aluminum floor in, get to a call. Even you were yelling at us, okay. get that boat in the water, <laughs> you know, and... I said to, I don't know who I said this to, why don't we just get a trailer for that thing? And sure enough, this year,
0: boom, trailer, boom, trailer yeah.
1: and, and we used it once, and it was like immediate in the water.
0: I remember visiting and, and saying, hey, you got a trailer for that. That's genius. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't always listen. But, but. <laughs> I think
1: the intention of that boat was if it was needed to go uh, under a helicopter or something or on a quad, uh, it could be lifted taken into a remote lake and then inflated
0: no for sure it, it's uh you know you talked a little bit about uh, people that you know get a little too big for their britches i guess or or however you said it you said it nicer than me but i always think of the one time and i remember this must have been a devastating phone call for you and ryan to have to make to me but uh was the first boat run of the spring <laughs> do you want to take it from there or should well, i <laughs> okay
1: so ryan and i would always take the boat out for the first time just to see where the water levels are and various things like that. And occasionally we would, I I don't know, I think it was happened more than one year, but each time we would hit something. And generally I think we got too close to dog Island and some of the rock shores. And so if it's just a, a prop, you know, that's a simple fix. However, I think one year we actually went a little bit further into the gear system And uh, I think you were too happy, Uh, just that constant repair bills. and We haven't even started for the year, and all of a sudden we kind of pooched the the boat.
0: Uh, I honestly, I mean, it's our two top trainers at the time. There's nothing you can do about it. It's this lake. If anyone that's ever been on this lake understands, it's that there's things move around the sandbars move around and and things move around and the water height goes up and down crazy um and that particular day was i'm always one of those guys i've gone through life saying like as long as you own it it is what it is as long as it's not the same thing exactly over and over then we'll get it fixed and we'll move forward and and it is what it is but uh that particular day i remember that i had said to you guys because i think the year before we just wrecked a prop and i said hey you know they're 160 bucks you guys be careful i know that the job that you're going to do today is to check the water levels and see where we can go and can't go and so you're kind of flirting with disaster on this whole mission and uh, i don't think it was that big of an expense i think we nicked the bottom of the leg and and whatever but uh at the end of the day you got back and and uh we had to get it fixed and it was one of those ones where, like, you could be the top trainer, you could be the best at firefighting, you could be the best driver, you could be the... And on a certain day, in a certain area, you could have the worst thing happen. And yeah. so it was a good learning lesson. I think we all learned from that and, and move forward with that. And to me, it was kind of the day that I knew that the boat program was successful. I know that sounds a little stupid because it was there was broken parts and hurt feelings and all that stuff, but it was, we knew enough that we knew we had to be out there checking those depths. We knew what to do with the boat. We knew what to do when it got broken. We knew how to get it fixed. We knew that our, if our two top trainers and drivers, the people that drove the boat the most were out there, that uh, you know, we stop someone from less experience from really getting hurt. Right? You guys well, didn't get hurt. Well, or.
1: there's reflection after you do something like
0: that. <laughs> of and, course, yeah. And
1: you learn a lot from that, and and that's how you pass that on to your next future drivers. And that's that experience element.
0: And I heard you both at different times say it to different people that you were teaching that think, you know, if you think that you're awesome at driving this boat, just remember that anything can happen. And you both use the story at different times to reinforce that model of don't get too cocky out here because anything can happen to anyone at any time. So. You
1: know, you know it's, it's like my first trailer fire. I walked in, you know, you're, you're kind of cocky. You got the hose. You're just giving her and you fall through the floor. And you start thinking, well, maybe I should have been sounding the floor before I move forward, and stuff like that. Maybe there's so, some things. So those those stick with you, and then you pass that on to your future recruits, whether they be young, old, whatever. So, and I I take that as learning experiences, and I have many. <laughs> I have many, and that just hopefully brings for a better, stronger program, and and recruits that. Have a better i don't know a better knowledge a better they're, they're prepared for sure the boat one is is probably our most dangerous one and i know you you always got excited whenever we had a boat call because when you think about it it's like that those two girls our first rescue and we had a helicopter overseeing and they almost one of their guys almost jumped in the water to save them and we got our boat there so fast and when we brought those two girls into the beach, I don't know, you looked at me, I looked at you, and I'm actually, I got tears coming down my eyes. This is just like out of a Baywatch movie.
0: Of course, yes. We just,
1: yeah. we, we, you M- know. Minus the hot chicks. Yeah, hot chicks. <laughs> but we basically took those girls in our arms and took them to the beach. And like I said, it was just, it was a movie moment. And it was moving for me because that's when I knew that boat pro- program is going to be a success. Because who does it on the lake? Whose job? Generally, the RCMP, yeah. But they only have one boat and maybe one person trained. Maybe two. And it's hard. So it's, it's using those collective resources to make that lake safe. And now this is just our lake, let alone the smaller lakes around. And we've been called there too.
0: No, I'll, I'll agree with you. I mean, the day that you guys brought those two girls, I mean, you saved them from drowning period. That's what happened. That it's uh, very few people can go through life and say they saved someone's life definitively. And that day, the three of you saved those two girls lives. It was part of a big program, but, and it was uh to me, it was like, I can finally relax because all of these politicians, everybody yapping at me about money and the, the gallons of blood I had to swallow from biting my tongue. And it, it was all worth it. Right, because at the end of the day, when someone says, "What is a life worth?" that program was worth two lives that day. Yeah. Period. Those those kids will grow up and they'll have a life, and mm-hmm. and uh, so you know those those moments. I I remember that that little just it was just a second we had on the beach. Right. Yeah. Didn't have to say anything.
1: Well, it was like that moment during the fire right. in 2011. I'm just a, a rookie you know, ranger jumping in with my personal truck to find where you guys left and, you know, and, you know, what do you want me to do? And you said, do this, do that. And then I turned turned back and then I I looked at you and you were just, you paused. And then I, that was kind of my moment where I said, you know, that's that's the chief's job. To try to take it all in, figure out what's the priorities, how we're going to do it. And I left you alone and I did what I had to do with our our team. And man, I discovered a lot of stuff during that time.
0: Those events are so few and far between, right? So, so the 2011 fire, it's worth mentioning that you lost your house that day.
1: But that was a funny thing. You know what? (laughs) Well, I'll I'll put it in perspective. Okay. So my daughter lives around the corner from me and I saw a little fire just on the corner of her house. Her house is intact. And I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I can't bring the fire department and save this one house. There's a bigger picture and everybody was coming to you wanting their house saved. And unfortunately you got to pick your battles. So I kind of didn't know what to do there. I just kind of watched it. And then I turned around and I didn't realize I was so involved in fighting fires for everybody else. I realized my house was gone. Already gone. It was gone. And I kind of looked at it and thought, what the heck? And I kind of, I kind of froze. And the the unique thing there is Carl Hill came and saw me and he kind of realized I was kind of something just wasn't right. So he, you know, after I was doing fighting, you know, whatever we were doing, uh, he said, come with me. So he basically drove me around in the fire truck and we were just talking about certain things, but it was enough to kind of kind of click that switch and move on. Yeah. And that's what I did. Now, granted, there were some other things that I was doing, like I was sneaking firemen into the pool and trying to, because <laughs> it was closed and, sure, and you all that out. stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: got to help out. You do, yeah.
1: The only problem was the, the very first time I did it, like these six older guys... They didn't have a bathing suit. They stripped in front of me. I had to turn my back. I'm a lifeguard. And I had to turn my back. And
0: you're embarrassed, eh? Yeah. Man, I'm Just we'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it there, right?
1: Yeah, but it was, it was enough to kind of take their mind of the seriousness of what was going on. And it was interesting because sitting in the hot tub, I was they're saying, oh, uh, you know, how long you've been in Slave Lake and da-da-da-da-da. And then they asked me, uh, was your house okay? And I said, no, I lost it. And you could have heard a pin drop.
0: Because yeah, they don't know what to say. They didn't right? know
1: what to say. Sure. And I said, don't worry. I'll move on. But I got a call from one of those guys about five, six days later and said he, he was basically, he hugged his kids. He said, you would not believe how much just talking to you changed my life. I didn't even register with me what I was saying. I will just be in me. You know, I want to help you guys. You came to our town. Let me do what I can do to help you do your part.
0: No, and I I will say, like, just uh, one of those amazing people that goes through life, like, you, you never stopped helping. And I can't imagine the mental burden and the physical burden of that happening, right? Yeah. Even though I know hundreds of people it happened to, it never happened to me. So you don't know, right? Uh, but you never stopped helping. Like Even through every day, we could call you and you would bring a truck that we need or you would let us in the pool or you would help find something, which was typical of the fire time, right? Well, the
1: best thing was the into the pool, let's, uh, uh, hey, Jamie, let's uh, try SCBA yeah. and full bunker gear. I want to know, do you actually sink or not? <laughs> well, we discovered No. You float. I don't know why we have the rule you can't, you have to be so many feet from the water. You float like a cork. (laughs) And SCBA, you can use that to breathe underwater. We tested that and proved that. Yeah. So it was was fun
0: to practice. Again, going back to that, 100 years of tradition unimpeded by change. You're not a big fan of that. You you were always my guy, testing the limits, testing the waters, literally uh, trying to figure out, could this work, could that work? But
1: I do know you almost killed us. Doing, uh, was it, dodgeball and SCBA gear. That almost killed me. It's, I don't smoke, but I tell you, it's... You, when felt you like one. <laughs> I did, and you go through bottles pretty quick. Oh, those are part of the good
0: times. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, testing all of that stuff and, and so many different things. I can remember battle canoes and you just coming up with all of these ideas and, and, and you never you're another one of those guys that, uh, I'm pretty famous for saying, start it. Yes. And only work to know if we have to. And I would say that a lot of that rubbed off from you because we would ask you some of the darndest stuff and, and you would always say, well, let me think about that. Or in most cases, yeah, try it. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. doesn't matter if we're, uh, you know, riding those aqua cycles in the, in the pool for some exercise or using those little kayaks to yeah. try and drown each other. Yeah. You, you always were like, yes to whatever, as long as no one's going to die or yeah. probably not. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: And and you know, with OH&S and safety protocols now, it's- Yeah, it's different. It, it's different. And I don't think it has to be different, but it, if somebody gets hurt, you know, somebody has to answer to why were you doing it this way and and that that way. So- I I remember working for the college once we we planned a raft race down the Athabasca River against our sister college, and we lost one of those wayjack bags because we were squirting water, and I had to do a report, and I put there, you know, we lost this due to a water fight, I guess at the provincial government level. It's not so funny when our president gets asked, how come this was written like this? And because it's, why would you do that? But the whole part, point of it is recreation or having people have fun, take some of the seriousness off what we do. For sure. We're, we're coming across some pretty horrific stuff. And, you know, this year, actually the last couple of years, I've never seen the mental health the way it is with our fire service not just our fire service but across the country in general yeah so this this is serious stuff so this is just ways we can kind of help with that
0: so so let's let's go from there to one of my favorite things about you which is Christmas in Kyle's world right
1: <laughs> yes Nobody wants to help with Christmas. Why is that, Jamie? <laughs> you, you're the only one that encouraged me. Yeah, if you want to do it, go for it.
0: Oh, man. So you say, you want materials? Yeah, here. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? I grew up in this town. I grew up, uh, you know, looking at your floats your college floats were always the best. I mean you always won first. Well it was or a second. challenge
1: between Carl Hill and myself. <laughs> it was a rivalry. And we, we really between the town yeah and the, yeah. And we we worked hard to try to outdo each other.
0: And uh, so so I think that I just watched that, right? And then sadly, you know, as times changed and things went on, the town floats got not quite as crazy and the college decided not to, or?
1: Well, I got reassigned to another department and that wasn't a priority. And
0: so, so you came to me and you said, well, let's, let's build some big, crazy floats. And I thought to myself, like, we're the fire department. Our float is a bunch of big trucks, lights, sirens, craziness, throw candy. But, uh, so I said, yes. And I don't know if this was the first one, but my favorite one was when you built a full on roof with a chimney and Santa's legs sticking out of the top.
1: And the smoke machine going. Yeah.
0: And, and it wasn't enough that Santa's legs were sticking out, but you actually had to make the move. So they were kicking.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you remember that Yeah. One? Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> and it was cold, but we, we got a lot of people to buy into it. Oh,
0: of course, yeah.
1: And I, I think we even won that award. We got best float overall. Yeah. And it, it really brought attention to the fire department always brings, you know, lighted trucks. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It just, we kind of went that extra, but- I found that again, I had to make it like nurture it. So I would recycle some of the old float material from the college that we weren't using anymore. And I'd bring some of that And It basically came together. Beautiful. Of course. You know, with the music and hot chocolate. Oh yeah.
0: I, you know, I, I'm a big vision guy. So I think I was pretty, I was a pretty easy. Yes. Most of the time when you (laughs) asked me for stuff. And, and I'm a huge Christmas guy. I love Christmas. But I, I sometimes felt like you and I were the only ones that even liked Christmas on the fire department.
1: So and then like I wanted, we built the towers, you know, you, that whole uh, training center, you know, you had a great idea there. And I, I remember us talking about turning it into streets and other stuff. And, and then that idea just blossomed. I could just see your mind turning. And it, it's a beautiful training site and we, we haven't, we we're utilizing it, but I know we're going to be utilizing it more, but you know, as you, we had that tower construct and I thought, oh, Santa's got to be up there. Santa Claus and a reindeer have to be up there, but would anybody help me? No. So, but the materials were supplied. I hand painted everything and I convinced some of the day- daytime staff to help me put it up there. And we got power to it. And, you know, it wasn't for the fire department. In a sense, it was. But it was, I wanted to see or hear about the expression of little kids' faces as they drove by and saw Santa up there. It's the only one in town. And whether you believe in Santa Claus or not, it's irrelevant. And to me, I don't know what it is about being part of a fire department. P- kids like fire trucks. Yeah. They like that whole, you know, element of what what it stands for. And I wanted to see that. We have a nice visual presence on that training gra- ground. So, yeah, that, that was uh, very important. We've, we got a blinky light. Of course, I wanted a small one. You had to go bigger <laughs> so you could see it from across town. I had town. to one up you somehow. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we destroyed that that one uh again it was, i was finding less and less people were helping and it's it just a it covid kind of hit and that kind of messed things up so we just didn't proceed with it however that doesn't mean future things won't develop i got some plans in my head and we we kind of did kind of a scene on the gate and you actually promoted that I, you,
0: yeah that was like the last year i was there as chief and and uh, you were showing me pictures it was some place in Saskatchewan, I think. And yeah. you said, we should do this. And, yeah. and uh, really at that time, I think everybody bought in. We had the old truck out there yeah. and lights and yeah. did the whole scape. And then you painted uh, posts, all the posts to slide over top of yeah. the gate. And but
1: those, those are just recycled. I, I recycle a lot of stuff. But the neat thing was, you know how you can't just blow up a picture. It's copyrighted and all that stuff. So we took uh, a fireman by the name of Connor and we blew him up. We took a, I took a picture of SCBA and put them on the big plotter and then cut them out on on wood That's and made right, silhouettes. Yeah. <laughs> so we were going to take it to his house after and surprise his there. wife, but that didn't happen. But that was a cool thing. And and the, you know before you left, we were going to go to that next step. Oh yeah. And
0: that you, you and I often talked about festival of trees yeah. and, and uh decorating the whole training yard so people could drive through in their cars and see the lights and it, it's too bad. It's it's how ideas go. Some some are
1: put but down you know by what?
0: towns and some they, are embraced, but
1: one thing with me is the idea is still there. That's right. It's just percolating. Oh yeah. It might come back again.
0: Some someday I'll call you and I'll yep. I'll use it somewhere else.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: So while we're talking about innovation, I mean, you got to after the fire, of course, you lost your house and all the stuff that goes with that. And you weren't going to just have lessons observed. You actually wanted lessons learned. So you, you came with us on, I think, every deployment we had after that. I don't know if you missed any. I missed Fort Mac the only place That's okay the only place so you went to bc and you went down. Uh, no so-
1: i'm sorry bc i wasn't invited oh it just must must be my age or something i don't know <laughs> no that was a hard one to get into yeah but pincher creek high level Wabasca. was there any other ones
0: i feel like there was there was so many oh the yeah years. and anyways the point of that story was that the sprinkler heads you were you were never in love with the sprinkler heads we bought and you always fought that you could build better and i don't know what prototype number you got to but you're a bit like elon musk on this one you just wouldn't let it go and you just kept building new ones and and i would get a text or a phone call from you saying hey what are you doing on saturday we got a i got a new sprinkler head prototype we got to test and and so uh you know we just tested them and tested them and and you would build them you know in your free time and get parts from here and there how how many do you think you built over the years
1: probably 15 15 or 16 you got to actually go back before that. The first time I was part of a deployment that used part of the sprinkler team, they had those spike sprinkler units. And the way that they were going to put them up was with nails and uh, just... Pl- plumbers. It was Yeah, a, strapping. Yeah, strapping. And it took time. And I'm thinking, if we have a fire that's right behind us and we only have seconds to get these up per house... We don't have enough time to do that. So we came up with that piece of metal and two holes in where they just slip in. I tell you, that's it was amazing. And we still use that today. Of course. Indestructible. If you lose them, oh, well, we could build more.
0: Cheap. I remember because Logan and Ryan had to drill all those holes. Hey, I did the first like (laughs) 20 or 30.
1: And I went through so many bits. I don't know what's in that that metal, but holy macro, it's not... It's not that soft. So, yeah, after that, then I noticed on deployments where we're doing structure protection. There are homes where we could probably get away with one sprinkler if we could put it in the middle, you know, if it's the right size and save some of our sprinklers for other homes. So the challenge was to come up with a sprinkler system that would just sit on the roof. You just plunk it and away you go. We tried many many things, and it's not easy. If you screw it or nail it in, that's solid. But in this case, we went through a lot of failures. And we had one prototype we thought was amazing, was gonna work, took it up to high level, tried it on a house, and as soon as we fired up the pump, down it went. So back to square one. So until you, you know, everything works great on water pressure from your home, and these things would be great if you wanna do that. But we're we're talking like a you know a, a Mark III or, or something that has a lot more push on the on the pressure. So we finally I finally came up with one which I saw in the states and I prefabbed it. We tested it here a few times and it's rock solid.
0: It's it, the green one, eh? the green yeah, one. Yeah, it is. That's a yeah. That's an awesome However,
1: one. with that is more weight and you know so. I can see it used on a few homes, but I'm just making those at home. I'm not selling them. I'm not here to make a profit. Just trying to make it better. It's to help everybody. And, you know, if you want to go online and buy your own fancy sprinkler system, go ahead. I'm sure there's there's all kinds of uh, products out there. I'm not going to say good or bad to any one of them. But if you want to ask me which ones are good or bad, I'll just... I can send you to a few people that have certain acronyms for some of them, and but we won't go there.
0: <laughs> Watch a structure, structure. But, pair. but you
1: know what, <laughs> deployments was a very unique place for for myself. You got to meet people from different departments, big ones, little ones, various, and even out of province. And you know, hearing stuff in Ontario where they can fly over a cabin and turn on a pump remotely. Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah, there was so many good ideas, hey? So
1: many, but it all comes down to money.
0: Well, I even remember, so when we were building our first structure protection trailer with the company Seahawk and Acres that I'm with now, well, I asked you for your best five prototypes, and I took them all with me and showed to the guys. And, and of course, they went through a lot of the stuff that you go through. They had a full machine shop welding, cutting, everything. And, and they still go through all the same processes you went through. How do you make it light and portable, but still heavy enough and strong enough to handle the job? And, and so, uh, you know, they came up with something that kind of meets in the middle of all of that. But uh, they were so impressed that, you know, your stuff was built from parts from Canadian Tire, the electrical shop, the welding shop, the... Dump. the <laughs> wherever you could find parts from, wherever <laughs> you could, you know. And so here they are with a full machine shop that could do anything. And they're still having the same struggles as you. So I always think, you know, I think Terrence Melnichuk coined the phrase in my world where it was uh, innovation, not imitation. And uh, you you were definitely an innovator. You kept trying new things and testing them and... And some of them, they just blow apart five seconds after we Well, started. thanks
1: to your son, he said, uh, turn, turn the pressure up. Let's just see if this is actually going to last. And then, poof, it's gone. Okay. If it can't handle the pressure. And you know what? That's, it's a great, I like it when they do that. Because your equipment has to be tested to meet the extreme. Not just half. It has to last. This could save somebody's home. So if that's going to go on somebody's roof, I want to make sure it's going to work. And this was just to accent our own sprinkler trailer to see if we could. There's always, for example, a lot of these roofs are getting taller and steeper and it's just really hard. And they got weird pitches. And so sometimes just having that one sprinkler sitting in the right spot, you can, you can solve everything you need to solve.
0: So one last thing I want to talk about is uh, your son Chad and and his involvement in Dog Island Brewery. So it's a small microbrewery in town, and and uh, you were you know just a champion for those guys right from the start, trying to not really,
1: because <laughs> really when they first pitched the idea to me, hey dad, i I think I'm gonna invest in this brewery. Now as your dad and you're in the oil patch making some money, what were you thinking? But now in hindsight. Great move.
0: Yeah, because the oil patch is not what it used to be, and and so what I meant was you were forever trying to find stuff to help them out or borrow stuff, or right. And and so one of the days I remember them paying you back. They made a beer uh, after the fire for the community for everyone to buy. It was called uh, Rising from the Ashes, and so that was cool. And and you and I talked lots about that. And then we were hosting the Canadian Volunteer Fire Service Association conference in 2018, and and uh, you talked to them. Uh, all on your own and and got them to make us a beer and they actually like made a can for us and everything. So let's talk a little bit about that process.
1: Well, when I approached Chad about, you know, helping the fire department out with a, a custom beer that we could just very unique for that conference. And, you know, Chad just, he was all over it and they use an artist actually from Slave Lake to develop some of these the artwork so the process of we kind of went back and forth kind of roughly what we wanted but you you kind of gave them just just give us a label that that has incorporates the logo and a few you know elements of of what fire service is about so we left it up to chad to talk to the artist and we got back a very rough sketch and I showed it to you guys. First I, first, I had to look at it for about 10 minutes, and I kind of shook my head. But I showed it to you guys. Maybe that was a mistake. <laughs> and you guys are speechless. You didn't say a word. But Chad says, trust me. Trust me. This is just, just it's like a, a rough outline. It's a, a process. Process. It <laughs> it's, yeah. So eventually, we got a better rendition of it, and it turned out really nice.
0: It did. It was amazing. I'll, I'll dig up a picture. I'll, I'll get it online so everyone can see it. But uh, it, it was amazing. And I mean, it was kind of went with that whole conference. Like we just took it to a whole new level with the training and everything. And then when we, you know, unveiled this beer, and and they'd had it at conferences before, and and labels and stuff, but nothing like the label that you got made for us. Nothing like the.
1: The unique thing on this label was they used a different supplier of labels. And they used a, a kind of a foil type, which had never used before, and they were actually pleasantly surprised also by the the end
0: product. How shiny and so yeah, vibrant! Even it was.
1: even Dog Island Brewery, they they are innovative too. They go on the limb. They try things. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But for our fire department, it was just a just a very classy touch. And they they actually hosted a. Uh, supper for us over there, over yeah, there, yeah, and uh, it was it was just nice. It was just very. It was just like going to somebody's house.
0: It was kind of like those community partnerships, right? I think fire departments all over hook up with different businesses in the community, different organizations, different people. And you guess you wouldn't always think of a brewery, but Dog Island Brewery just was a perfect fit for us to yeah. to having you and Chad there and, and Ben support this whole thing that we were doing.
1: And it's actually kind of started a, a closer relationship. Sometimes they need some, you know, manpower to lift a a brand new tank over or, or vice versa. So it's, and I think there'd be more stuff down, down the line. So, but that's just working with your partners in the community, you know?
0: So you started growing up fire at an older age than some of the rest, but uh, you know what? It's it's worked out great for you. It's worked out great for the fire department. So you're an officer now with the Lesser Slave Regional Fire Service. How does did you ever think you'd be where you are today when you started?
1: No, and (laughs) so there's a point in time when you've been at the hall, the fire hall, so long, and then all of a sudden you start seeing your leaders start disappearing. They retire they leave for other ventures, they move away. So our leadership pool was starting to decrease. And I did not at first think I was a leader. However, people were constantly coming up to me. I was being involved in helping teach various things. So it, it kind of thought, okay, I think I'm ready. And I came to you said, hey, I'm ready. If, if there's a process, I'll follow whatever the process is and go through that.
0: Made the same mistake as that boat thing. Yes. You, you admitted yeah. that. See, you sucked the, me the in again. You sucked came. me in again. No, you did it for yourself. <laughs> but I
1: tell you, my first call as an officer, especially as a duty officer, was interesting. When you make a mistake, generally people won't tell you, your peers. What they'll do is shun you. <laughs> <laughs> just to let you know, you know, maybe you didn't make the right call. Though. So you know how you always said told me as you know we go to a fire to send everything, and then you can start taking stuff away that you don't need as you
0: proceed. It, yeah.
1: So that's kind of I still had that in the back of my mind going to my first call to send everything. and really, it was just a fender bender didn't need what that. So again, you learn from that. And, you know, I had to sleep, I always slept with, you know, my socks and my clothes on because I didn't want to, you know, you got to be that first guy because you're you're an officer now. So it's it's different. You, you definitely have to make those decisions and own own it. And that's been the transition that I've been doing. I still have lots to learn. And you know what? There's some great mentors, old and young, that I've been watching. And I'm just trying to pick the good things that i want from them and try not to like you can't please everybody and everybody always comes to you hey why don't we do this why don't we do that and uh no
0: it doesn't work like that yeah there's a time for good ideas and there's a time for action eh? for sure yeah all right Kyle. that's all the time we got so thanks buddy episode 13 growing up fire kyle paulson thanks for being here thank you take care Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram at Chief Coots to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.